So Paul ends the letter to Ephesians like he does a lot of the letters that he writes with a sort of a personal goodbye. But also he ends with, with some encouragement that he's soon going to send somebody to them, a faithful minister to them, to make sure they know what's going on with him. And it's easy to read these kind of last bits and maybe kind of throw them in in a two-minute sort of uh, part to the last message of, a, uh, of going through a letter. But I think it's important that we recognize that we stop and we, we, we see what Paul's doing here, that we remember the relationships that he had with these people, that we take seriously the, the, the way he says goodbye, the way he, the wishes that he makes upon these people, what he desires for them. Because I, I, I really do believe that what Paul desires for the believers in Ephesus is what God desires for us. And the words he uses, peace to you and grace to you and love, these aren't just platitudes. These aren't just lovely intangibles. These are weighty truths that transform our lives that he is saying to these people, these friends and these saints, he's saying, I want you to experience that transformation. I want you to experience this. Now, if you have the NIV, you know that the verse 24 reads like this, uh, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. I want you to think about that phrase, that phrase, undying love for a second. Have you ever experienced an undying love? Have you ever had an undying love for somebody? Seriously, think about that. I think about the best relationships in my life. And I think about this idea of an undying love. And it's, it's interesting because I think about the best relationships in my life. I think about, like, I do think about my wife and my children, probably first and foremost. And I think about them, and I think, okay, I do have what I think is an undying love. But if I take Jesus out of the picture, what I'm reminded of is that love, if Jesus isn't in the picture, that love dies when I die. It's over. Now, forget about the whole reality of how difficult it is to sort of feel love for people. Just the idea of love being undying or eternal, this is a, this is a huge thing. And so Paul, when he's closing this letter off, he wants these Ephesians to think about undying love. And again, not just some sort of a mystical, intangible thing, but how that eternal love of God intersects with our everyday life. He wants them to, to, to think about all these things he's, he's written to them, which they would have heard read out loud in their congregations, probably over and over again. He wants them to think, now, do these things. Live in light of these things. He starts off by just kind of promising a personal update. Don't, re- don't forget, when Paul's writing this letter, where is he? You guys remember? Prison. He's in prison. And this is not, you know, a, a nice prison, if there is such a thing. <laughs> but I mean, this is not a modern prison where you can maybe further your education and, you know, you're, for the most part, you're going to be protected, though it's still not a good place to be. This is a, a, a sort of a, a probably a rat-infested prison. This is a place where he might have been chained to a Roman guard. This is a place where he was dependent upon other people to bring him food, blankets, and that sort of a thing. Medicine if he needed it. In, in first century prisons, you weren't provided that for you by the state unless you were a, a prisoner of much, much note or importance. But if you were just a common prisoner, 
a rebel rouser or something like that. You were in prison at your own expense. You had to have friends. And if you didn't have friends who were willing to risk their reputation and bringing you stuff, you were in, in a bad way. So Paul's saying these things. In, in fact, when he says that, that Tychicus might comfort your heart, he's recognizing that these people care for him. The people in Ephesus care for him. They're thinking, is, does he have the food he needs to eat? Is he, is he warm enough at night? Is he keeping the rats away? I mean, is he okay? And so he's saying, listen, I, I, I don't want you to worry about me, so I promise I'm going to do this. I'm going to send you this information about me because I know you care for me, and, and I care for you. I don't want you to worry. Isn't that how we are with people that we love? We don't want them to worry about us. I get on my kid's case all the time. Please text me when you're about to walk home. Yep. Dad, you know, I'm an adult now. I know, but I worry. I love you. Amen. You understand, don't you? Yes, yes. This is what we do. He doesn't want them to worry because he, he loves them. Interesting, when Paul talks about his relationship with the Thessalonians, and I think this is, was probably the same with the Ephesians, here's what he writes. 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 2, verse 8 says, We loved you so much, Paul and his team, he's talking about, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives also. As far as Paul was concerned, the eternal love of God was not just something that he, again, talked about. It wasn't just this grand idea. It was something that changed every relationship he had, including the relationship with these people that sometimes he only knew for a matter of months before he went on somewhere else to do more ministry. He cared for them. He invested in them. They wanted to invest in him. But also Paul's saying he's going to send this promised update through people he trusted. He's going to make sure someone can go who knows Paul and, and knows them and can say, here's, here's how I'm going. He, he sent them through people. Now, interesting, he mentions this guy. I'm saying Tychicus. It's the totally wrong way to say his name. You're supposed to pronounce it this way, Tychicus. Now, I'm going to mispronounce all the names that I read today, so I figured I'd start with Tychicus as well, okay? But interesting, he's just one, this guy Tychicus, to Kikus is just one guy who's among many who served with Paul faithfully. He's mentioned in Acts chapter 20, verse 4, listen, in a list of people, it says that Sopater of Berea accompanied Paul to Asia, also Aristarchus, Segundus of the Thessalonians, Gaius of Derby, and Timothy and, and Tychicus, or however you say his name, and Trophimus of Asia. So there were these different people that, did, that helped Paul do his ministry, and Paul says, I'm going to take one of those faithful people, and I'm going to send them to make sure that they know what's going on. But this is something that Paul did often. Paul was always, listen, working with a diverse group of people. And, and this was on purpose. This was, he was modeling to the church how diverse God's people are, how God wants his eternal love to be seen in a multifaceted way. Listen to this. Here's what we see about Paul. We're going to read in, in, in uh, Romans 16 in just a second. That Paul worked with a, a really diverse group of people. Men and women, Jews and Gentiles, couples and singles. Does that sound familiar to you guys? Listen to this. Paul writes at the end of his letter to the Romans, he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church of uh, Centria. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many, and especially to me. Greet my, uh, give greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, 
Interesting, the wife's named first. My co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I'm thankful for them, and so are all the Gentile churches. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Greet my friend Eupenitus. He was one of the first from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. Greet Andronicus and Junia, again, another couple, my fellow Jews. Interesting, among Gentiles, there's also these Jews, who were in prison with me. They are highly respected among the apostles and became followers of Christ before I did. Greet Ampiliatus, <laughs> my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, and that's a cool name. Come on, Urbanus. Are you feeling it? I, I like that name. I think it's cool. <laughs> Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend, my dear friends, whatever. A great Apelles, a good man whom Christ approves, and give my greetings to believers from the household of Aristopoulos. See, you think this is a hard job. It's hard to pronounce these names. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcissus. A bit self-consumed, Narcissus. You get that? Okay, somebody got it, somebody didn't. Give my greetings to Tryphena and Tryphosa, probably twins, and the Lord's workers. No, seriously, probably twins, twin women. Uh, and the workers, the, the Lord's workers, and dear Persis, who worked so hard for the Lord. Lastly, he says, greet Rufus. I once had a dog named Rufus. That has nothing to do with this message at all. Whom the Lord picked out to be, his, to be his very own and also his dear mother, who's also been a mother to me. Now, I read that really long greeting that we're tempted to skip over when we're in Romans and definitely don't want to look at it again when we're in Ephesians, but I read it to show something that's really important for us to get. Paul was not just writing random letters to people he didn't know. He was not just talking about high Falutin philosophical ideas. These were people that he loved with the eternal love of God, and he knew that these people loved him, and he related to them. He worked in this great, diverse team. Now, some of those people in that long list were people that were, uh, had established positions in the church. Obviously, uh, Phoebe was a deacon or a deaconess, so she had a, a position in the church. Some were probably just people who just labored well. But Paul wants them to be greeted. He wants them to be acknowledged. He wants, to, the, he wants to, the, the people in Rome to say, make sure those people know, I miss them, I love them, I love serving with them. This is what God desires us to have, this kind of relationship where we would care for each other. I mean, I think about the people that have left Servants Church to go serve other places. Do you know that they long for us that way? They really, really do. It's amazing. I remember when Thomas and Rachel came back for a visit some time ago. Thomas and Rachel, who uh, served for care for children, they were in our church for about three and a half years, started our kind of university outreach and kind of led that group and stuff. Great, great people. When they first, one of the times they came back not too long ago, they came back and I introduced Thomas as, uh, this is Thomas and his wife Rachel, lovely family, we love them so much. And they used to be at our church, blah, 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 blah now with care for children. And it really hurt his feelings. Because I said they used to be in our church. He said, he, he told me afterwards. He, in fact, I think he said it at, at the time. He said, well, actually, we still consider ourselves part of the church. Amen. Amen. Yeah. They, they long for us to understand that about them. Look, those of you who are really close to some of these people who have left that you're hurting over and pining for, you need to know something. You know what that's proof of? You've had good relationships with people. 
And you can still have those good relationships today. God wants us to have this. Paul's making this promised update because he really loved these people and they really loved him. And also, Paul really wants these people to experience God's peace. What does he say in verse 23? He says, peace to the brethren and love from faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace to the brethren. What, what do we mean? What does Paul mean when he speaks of peace? Let's think about how he used this, this word peace, this weighty word peace in the book of Ephesians. One of the ways Paul, one of the things Paul meant by peace is he, he knew that peace means a reconciliation. Listen to this. You remember this from Ephesians chapter 2? Paul says, now in Christ Jesus, you who were once, afar, uh, uh, who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one, that's Jew and Gentile, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. In other words, the things that might divide us racially, Christ breaks those things down. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances. In other words, having gotten rid of all the things that God's law says are against us. Do you realize what that means? God's law is good and right. He gives us good commands. We break those commands. We're condemned under the law. But Jesus became a perfect man. God the Son became a perfect man in Jesus, I should say. And he fulfilled the law perfectly so that when he was crucified, God's judgment was satisfied. So as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace. Peace means reconciliation. Us being reconciled together. Why? Because we've been reconciled with God through faith in Jesus. And it's only through faith in Jesus that we can be reconciled to God. I, I, I want to say to you guys today, just because I don't want to assume things that I, that I don't know for sure, I, I, I want to say to you, if you don't know Jesus, then you've not yet been reconciled to God. It's not that God is, is waiting to judge you. It's that God does not want to judge anyone. He desires that all should repent. All would turn away from their sin and turn to him. But that Jesus has sent Jesus to take upon himself the judgment that we deserve, that we might be reconciled with God. And you might go, well, I don't got nothing against God. What's he got against me? Do you realize that Every good thing that's in your life, every good gift, every perfect gift, every ability, every relationship, every material blessing in your life ultimately comes from the creator of the universe. And when we live as if he doesn't exist, when we thumb our nose at him or maybe shake our fist at him because we don't like the way he's allowed our life to go, what does that show? It shows that we actually are against God. That our hearts are, as the scripture says, at enmity against God. But God's done something radical. He's made a way for peace. Could it be that the reason you don't experience peace in your life, that you're so un uneasy, and at, un not at rest in your life, is because you're not yet at peace with God? You haven't received what he's done for you? Peace means reconciliation, but more than that, notice he says, in the same verse, verse 23, he talks about, and love 
with faith. Or you might say, you could translate this love amid faith. In other words, peace means, listen, trusting God and loving people. This is how Paul used this idea in Ephesians. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, notice, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We can have peace with each other, not not by just avoiding conflict, but because we pursue love, because we trust that we're so loved by God. Peace means reconciliation. Peace means trusting God and loving people. But also, listen, peace comes with us understanding that we've been adopted into God's family. Again, this is how Paul used this idea of peace in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul says, He chose us in Him, that is, he, God chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. This is how God views those who've put their faith in Jesus. Notice what He's predestined us to, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ, or you could say as children, by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Paul wants the Ephesians to know, to experience, not just understand, but experience the very peace of God that comes from knowing I'm adopted into His family. God gives me the same rights and privileges of sonship that He gave His own son because my life is hid in him as I put my faith in him. This is where peace comes from. See, here's the thing. If your understanding of Christianity is just about some sort of transaction, okay, I say a prayer, God forgives my sins. I go to church, God blesses me during the week. I put a fiver in the box, John's happy. I don't know what you think happens, but... We think it's some sort of transaction, but it's not. What Christianity is about is about this person, Jesus, who came to prove to us that not only is God real, here I am, he says, God become man, but that God's good and trustworthy and wants us to be right with him, wants us to be at peace with him. Do you realize that you can't add to what Jesus has done for you to be at peace with him? Your fiber in the box ain't adding to nothing. Your service for the church doesn't add to this relationship. We're right with God, we're at peace with God because of what Christ has done for us and because we've chosen to believe that Christ did that for us. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He lived a perfect life. Because we believe he did that for us. God says to us, I accept you. I forgive you. I adopt you as my child. That's what he says. That's not just a nice idea. That's a reality that should cause you to be at peace. Even when your life's going nuts. Lord, all my relationships are falling apart but I'm still your child. 
that will never be taken away from me. Lord, you seem to not want to heal me. I thought you were going to heal me of this illness. I could die from this, but I'll be resurrected, Lord, and I'll see you face to face. Lord, I don't understand why so many people are still suffering, but I know, Lord, you're going to come back soon and very soon, and justice and righteousness are going to reign on this earth when you return. And I'm going to reign with you as one of your kids. Peace. Paul wants them to experience God's peace, but he also wants them to experience God's grace. Look how he closes in verse 24. In verse 24, he says, Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Now, you read that, and let's be honest, we read that, and it almost sounds like, okay, you'll get grace if you actually love God with an undying love, and then God will give you grace. It, it can almost feel that way, but we know that's not the case from what Paul wrote in other places in Ephesians, okay? Paul's not saying we earn grace through the work of love. That's not what Paul's saying. We know he's not saying that because of what he said earlier in Ephesians chapter 2. What did he say in Ephesians chapter 2? He said, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, God's work of art, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you understand what he's saying about grace? Grace is not of works. Grace is God's undeserved favor. It's, it's, it's God's smile upon us, even though all we deserve is his frown. That's grace. But also, listen, grace is God's divine enabling. God gives us the grace to do the things he wants us to do. See, our responsibility is faith. I have to receive that grace by faith. God, I believe, I have to believe, even if I don't feel it, I have to believe that your smile is on me because of Jesus, not because of me. And Lord, I have to believe I have to believe that you will give me what I need. You'll give me the grace that I need, the divine enabling I need to actually do what you want me to do. I've got to believe that. Paul wants them to experience this. He wants them to understand and to experience grace as God's undeserved favor and as his supernatural enabling. He wants them to experience this. God wants us to experience this. The Christian life is neither, I got it right now, I'm going to always have victory, nor is it, oh, I'm a complete loser, nothing ever gets better, but at least I'm forgiven. It's neither of those things. The Christian life, being a Jesus follower means, I know, God, I'm completely forgiven in Christ. I'm washed clean. I'm accepted in Him, the Beloved. And by His grace, I'm being changed. I'm being made more like Jesus day by day by day. I can trust Him for both. That's grace. That's grace. 
That's why, don't you know the Holy Spirit's called the Spirit of Grace? His work is to take the grace of God. We sang this today. You may not have understood the words, but we sang the song today, right? That God takes this grace and he applies the work of God to our life. The Holy Spirit does that. He takes what Christ has done and he applies it to our life so that where we're weak, we can be strong because Jesus is strong. Where we're struggling, we can move forward because Jesus moved forward. Where we're, where we're wondering what's going to happen, where we're hopeless and feel like we're dying, we can, still, we can still finish because we know Christ rose from the dead. And because he rose, we'll rise. Grace. Are you experiencing that grace? Paul wrote this in Ephesians chapter 2. He said, we all once conducted our, ourselves in the lust of the flesh. That is, we did what we wanted to do. That's what that means. It's not talking about sexual lust, just sexual lust. That would be included in it. But it's, we've all once conducted ourselves in doing what we want to do, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, just like the others. Now, to be a child of wrath doesn't mean that you're angry all the time. It means that you're, you're, you're basically under the wrath of God, that God's judgment's on you. Because you just do what you want to do and you ignore him. But God. <laughs> the two, most, two of the most important words in Ephesians. But God. Who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses. Made us alive together in Christ. That's grace. That's grace. Listen, if you're here today as a believer and you're going, okay, I do believe in Jesus. I know I'm saved by grace and that works, but my life is still not great. I'm still feeling pretty miserable. I don't feel like I'm moving forward. Hey, maybe part of the problem is, is you're looking for something more than grace instead of looking for more grace. You know, sometimes we think, if I just had more faith, the apostles, the disciples felt that, right? Lord, increase our faith. What did Jesus say? If you had a faith of a mustard seed, you'd be sorted. That's a paraphrase, but you know what I'm saying. It's not the the size of your faith, it's who you put your faith in. See, we suddenly think, I need more faith. You know what we really need? More grace. You know what's amazing about grace? God gives us grace upon grace upon grace. That's what the book of John says. God, I, I, I... I don't have what it takes to love my spouse. I don't have what it takes to serve my kids. I don't have what it takes to endure another long sermon by John. This is quite a short one, by the way. But you can ask for God's grace for that. And you know what God does with his grace? He pours it out on us. Even if you're going, you know, there's a part of me that wants to believe this, but I don't know if I can believe this. Can you believe enough to say, God, give me the grace to believe? Because there was a, a father who brought his child to Jesus, and Jesus says, it's possible if you believe. And, and he, what, did the child, what did the father say? I pray this all the time. I believe, help my unbelief. Maybe that's the prayer you need to pray today. God, I believe in grace. I'm attracted to your grace. I need your grace, but help me to believe. Give me more grace to believe. Maybe that's where it needs to start.